is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Take me outside, sit in the green garden. There's nobody out there, but it's okay now. Then the sunlight, no money frame falls. Take me outside, sit in the green garden. That was Laura Mavula and the Metropole Orchestra with Green Garden. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them, we bring someone who's shaping the world of business. And I'm really happy to say that my business shaper today, and we call them business shapers, by the way, my business shaper today is Mark Adelston, and he's the chairman of Beaverbrooks. And if you haven't been in a Beaverbrook store, I would challenge you that you should be. And I'd be amazed if you hadn't, in fact, because they're all over the country and they're almost 100 years old as I just realised so 2019 will be a big year for them you'll be hearing lots from Mark very shortly in addition to hearing from Mark you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea some words of advice for your business and then we've got the music and it's fantastic today Astra Gilberto's in there Bobby Womack's in there Cuban vocalist Deme Arosena is there and so is Mr Gregory Porter Hey Laura it's me Sorry, but I had to ring your doorbell so late But there's something bothering me I really am sorry, but it just couldn't wait Is there That was Gregory Porter with Hey Laura. Mark Adelston's my business shaper here on Jazz Shapers. He's the chairman of Beaver Brooks, and Beaver Brooks is almost 100 years old, as I said. Turnover of north of £100 million comfortably, almost, I think, around 900 employees, and they're in the jewellery business, just in case you haven't been awake and walking around most streets in England. Thank you so much and for Scotland. joining. And Scotland. And Scotland. I, I was thinking <laughs> in the United Kingdom. Mark, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. It's a family business that you run. Tell me a little bit about how the family got involved in the jewellery world and then how you got involved. Okay. So the business was started, as you say, in 1919 by my grandfather, Isaac, and his two brothers, Harry and Morris. And they, uh, interestingly, started the business in Belfast. So it's just after the First World War. And uh, things were tough. They needed to find somewhere to start um, a business and they had a friend over there who had an opportunity for them so they went over started selling pretty much out of a suitcase anything they could get their hands on and very quickly developed a, a proper business if you like and opened their first store around 1920 and uh, d- sort of built up the business from there so the first store was in Belfast and then they moved over back to England and developed a team uh, a number of stores uh, around the north of England. I ha- I'm the third generation. I got involved in 1979, and uh, I guess that's where the story started from my point of view. Now, you were studying at Oxford, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, law degree, jurisprudence, jurisprudence yeah. as they call it. Um, what made you leave and go into the family business at that point? Great question. I think it, the, the probably the salient question is why did I go to Oxford to read jurisprudence in the first place and the answer is that the school were very keen for me to to do that it was good for their numbers to get that to get their figures up 
And, um, and I kept saying no, actually, but eventually they wore me down. And I quite like the idea of what was then seventh term entry, having 10 months off to sort of, I suppose it was, you, one would now call it a gap year. Such a thing didn't exist in those days. And I was sort of seduced by the whole thing, really. And I was fortunate enough to get in. Um, but then I realized pretty quickly it wasn't what I wanted to do. I really wanted to read business. So I left within the first year. And when I spoke to my dad saying, I'd actually like to go to Manchester now to read business studies, he said, uh, I think it's about time you started working, son. You know, it was two two years. I'd be two years older than everybody else. And I didn't really feel in a great position to argue or a very strong position to argue. So I went into the family business at that point. And really briefly, first job in the family business was? Um, first job was uh, working in the uh, stockroom, dealing with stock, invoices, uh, just looking at stuff like that. But very quickly, I actually started going around the stores with the supervisors. And that's where my passion grew very quickly. Stay with me to find out how the passion grew and why the passion grew uh, for Mark Edelston, chairman of Beaverbrook's third generation um, running a phenomenal business. We're going to talk all about their charitable endeavours as well because it's a fantastic uh, story. Time for some music. This is Astrid Roberta with Take Me to Aruanda. Astro Gilberto would take me to Aruanda. Uh, Mark Adelstone is my business shaper today here on Jazz Shapers. He's chairman of Beaverbrook 69 stores, around £120 million turnover. A fantastic business. It's been going almost 100 years. And as, as we said, Mark, you're third generation. There's a number of the family involved, and they always have been. Tell me a little bit about that, because it's hard enough being in a family, let alone working with a family. Tell me a, a well, little I'm, bit about how that evolved. Thanks, Elliot. I, I'm very fortunate, because uh, my two family partners, uh, my father, um, who is still involved and happy, I mean, it's uh, not in all the time by any means, um, Gerald, and my, uh, my, my cousin, Andrew Brown. And they're, they're amazing because they've always uh, given me the opportunity and supported me all the way through to run the business in a particular way and to, to make the changes that, that we have made over the, over the years. And they've always been very supportive to me. Tell me about, I mean, th this business has evolved and you became, I, I, I believe, the, the, the top guy, as it were, in 1990, joint man or one of the joint yes. managing directors then. You, you talk about putting your own imprint on the business. Where did you get your... Tell me a little bit about what that looks like and where those ideas have come from. Because as I referred to very briefly, um, you give a huge amount of money to charity. I believe it's over £10 million in the last 15 years. Uh, big Over 30% of your, your workforce, of people, your employees, are part of the giving back scheme. I mean, extraordinary numbers. It, obviously, that's a part of it. What else has informed your approach? I think it's been a, a, a journey, to be quite honest, Elliot. You know, there's been various uh, sort of triggers along the way. I, I think I've always been informed by talking to people within our organisation and learning from them and them challenging things at, and actually making me stop and think, actually, yeah, they're right. You know, we should be doing this. Why aren't we doing that? Why are we doing this? Why aren't we doing other things? And very much, we've been, I, I, my, my style is very collaborative and very much... 
um, listen to people within the organization. And I read, I certainly read a lot of business texts and books, uh, the Harvard Business Review about uh, Hertzberg, about the theory of motivation, which I read in 1994, but he wrote in 1965. That blew me away. I read a book by James O'Toole called Leading Change. I read it in 1997, and that informed a lot of the... It was called Leading Change. It was, a, it was an argument for values-based leadership, and that informed a lot of my philosophy to some extent and the creation of our mission statement, which has subsequently become the Beaverbrook's Way. And I guess the one thing I would say is that the reason that we exist is obviously, as a business, is to make profit, but why? So I guess it's the why, it's the question behind it. What do we do with that? And for us, it's about enriching lives. So enriching the lives of our colleagues who work with us, for sure, our customers, they get a great experience, our suppliers, are we there to try and screw them down to get the very best price we can get? Or are we more interested in them, of course, us getting a, a fair price, but them being there and them being profitable so they can continue to invest and create new product for us to buy in future years? And finally, and most importantly, or equally importantly, community and charity. So it's a big thing. We made a conscious decision that we now give 20% of our post-tax pre-distribution um, profits to the Beaverbrook's Charitable Trust. So this year that will be 1.2 million. Since the year 2000, we're now over 11 million pounds that we've, we've given away. But it's not just about the money, it's about the engagement, it's about the different, you know, we would support over 250 charities in, in any one year. We're very democratic in the way that we choose those charities. So we, i.e., if you like, senior management team, do not dictate where that charity money will go. We have our personal favourites, but more importantly, we have 69 stores, we've got 15 departments at head office who all select their pet charity and we give them £100 per person to give to those charities. And we match fund. As you said before, we're very involved with uh, workplace giving, which we're actually founding partners of Geared for Giving which is a, a workplace giving scheme, salary sacrifice. We match the funds. It's such an easy thing. It's tax efficient. So typically if an employee wants to give £10 a month, uh, it's done through salary sacrifice. And the charity would receive uh, around £24 because of our match funding and because of the tax saving. So because of that, we, we really hit a number of charities and we encourage time giving. So we give a minimum of two days per year to each employee. I say minimum because where people get really involved, we give, we give a lot more than that. We're trying to make a difference to the community around us, to the world around us to some extent. And, and whilst our purpose is enriching lives, it, we, we, we mean it. We, we truly mean it. These aren't just words. Um, much more coming up from my wise and um, incredibly values-based leader, as he said, and I am now saying, um, Mark Ellison, chairman of Beaverbrooks. Ladies, travelling in a couple of minutes, and before that, some words of wisdom, I hope, to match those that we just heard from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business. Hello, my name is Derville Walsh. I'm a partner in the contentious banking and finance practice at Mishkondorea. I specialise in banking disputes, predominantly working for borrowers or customers who have issues with their banks or difficulties with their banks. Two practical tips I would give to all customers who engage with their banks are one, firstly, when starting a relationship with the bank, 
particularly when securing funding, it's absolutely critical for borrowers to get professional help, whether it's from accountants or lawyers, to ensure that the terms of any lending are not very, very disadvantageous from the borrower's perspective and advantageous from the perspective of the bank. A second tip I would give to all customers or borrowers dealing with banks is to take notes of all sorts of communications or any engagement with the bank. In some cases, people have good relationships with their relationship manager and it can be relatively informal. So a lot can be done on the phone. In any situation where the bank gives an undertaking or makes a promise and that is communicated by a relationship manager over the phone, that should be documented by the borrower slash customer so that if there is a situation in the future where there is a dispute about that, that record can be produced and it can remove all doubt as to what was or wasn't agreed. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday I talk to someone who is shaping the world of business. Today my business shaper right here, right now, is Mark Adelston, chairman of Beaver Brooks. Um, super successful jewellery business and they've been going for a number of years. And as you would have heard earlier, I hope, Mark um, has a specific vision of what a company should be like and the kind of responsibility it should take beyond making money. And as you said, Mark, it's about the why. And I think that's really um, critical. Just tell me a little bit about um, the day-to-day for you, because vision is one thing, and having those things almost in the bank is another. How do you cope with the stresses and strains of almost you know around 900 people? You've got a lot of money to ensure comes through those doors, and we are in really, really funny times. Hmm. What's it like being the guy at the top? Well, I've got a great team, is the first thing I would say, a great senior management team. So the pressure, if you like... And the responsibility is very much a shared responsibility. And I think we just work very, very well together. You know, it's uh, it it just it seems to flow. We hold each other accountable. We support each other. And uh, I think because of that, you know, the that sort of pressure, if you like, stress is very much shared and therefore reduced on an individual level. You don't look stressed. I mean, you've been in this business for uh, however many years. You you can do the maths. So you can tell me quickly because you probably 38 years, 38 years. Um, you're never bored, right? No, I'm never bored because it's just it's it's retail is amazing, but actually what I love about the this business or probably any business truthfully, I mean I happen to be in jewelry, but it, it probably would be the same in any business is the people within the organization is the is the connecting. So for me the most important thing that I do is talk to our people. We've got 930 colleagues and it's listening to what they have to say and it's it's actively listening, actively listening to what they have to say and engaging and treating people as individuals, I think is critical. As, uh, alongside that, obviously, there's a passion for the jewellery itself. And you said, you know, you mentioned earlier on, I soon became passionate about this business. What is it about? I mean, I, I love watches. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's a bit of a... I mean, women love watches too, but men don't have as many beautiful, sparkly things to look at. And, and a watch for a man seems to mean something significant. Um what is it for you that you love about the things that you sell? Well, I particularly love diamonds. I, th- I think we all have a passion at Beaver Rooks for diamonds because they are eternal and the story of diamonds having been created millions of years ago, I think that it's a, just a fascinating business. The purchasing of diamonds, it's, it's, it's really an old-fashioned... The values are very old-fashioned. It's based on trust. You, you, you shake hands when you buy a parcel of diamonds. Um, there's no contract. 
it's it's beautifully old fashioned in a way, and I and I just love the product, and we're we're, we're very specialist in in that. So I would say diamonds particularly appeal to me, and obviously to our team as well. Lots more coming up from Mark, my business shape today. That's Mark Adelston, chairman of Beaver Books. Time for some more music. This is Daime Arosena with Mambo Na Ma. was Daime Arosena with Mambo Na Ma. Mark, we've been talking about your leadership and, and what happens when you're very good at what you do is that people recognise it. And you've been recognised a number of times um, by various different awards. I'm not going to embarrass you because you don't, you don't look like the type that would in, enjoy all the compliments, at least not publicly. When you do get those awards, how do you cope with it? How do you cope with success? Because, you know, there are many, many people who don't achieve anything like the levels of success that you and the family and your business have achieved. Success is a funny old thing. How do you keep grounded? Well, I remember the first time we had success at the best companies. We went in for the very first time. Uh, we came second on the night and won the leadership award. And it was, it's re- it was really strange, Elliot. It was almost as if it was happening in parallel to, to me. I, I couldn't quite relate to the fact that this was actually our company and me, and I guess I compartmentalise it is the only way I I can put it. I don't recognise myself, if that makes sense, as the recipient of those awards. In fact, Anna, who's our chief executive, often says to me, you you have no idea. I mean, I hear what she's saying, but I I struggle to internalise it. You've, You've got no idea of the impact or whatever that you have, and I guess... That's just the way it is. So for me, I'm just me. You know, I'm still, I'm still the 21 year old that 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 I was, mm. however many years. Ago, I mean, you're, you're, years you're ago. just your humility strikes me, and I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to embarrass you. And I can see you, it's actually quite emotional for you as well when you think about this. Um, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to hear I'm chatting to you, and you're, you've got 900 people that probably don't spend quite as long with you as, as I am now. What is it that you um, try and impart to them apart from listening? And I can see that listening is important. Many people talk about role models, and again, it's a bit cliched because it's uh, we talk about public people being role models, but actually it looks like you are. What's kept you so focused on what's important to you, on your values and your principles? Why are you you, do you think? That's a really difficult one. I don't know why I, I am me, but what I can say is the first part of your question was what keeps me motivated. And the truth is it's the, it's the people within the organisation that keep me motivated. That's my passion. That's my number one passion. Um, and I love the fact that we are excellent at developing people from within our, our organization. We have our own management development program. And even if people don't want to go into management, we promote from within. That's a hugely strong uh, thing that we do, which promotes tacit knowledge. And I think we have a, a very unusual culture within Beaver Brooks and I just love that fact and I just want it to continue. Stay with me for my final chat with Mark Plus we'll be playing a track from Bobby Womack that's after the latest traffic and travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mish Condorea. It's business.
but it's personal. That was Bobby Womack with California Dreaming. Mark Adelson's my business shaper just for a few more minutes before he talks about his um, song choice. Your business is super successful. You've been in the business 38 years. You've got amazing values. People respect the business. They respect you um, and the family members who are running the business around you. I imagine you're going to ask you that you're not going to stop, but what else is there to achieve? Is it just more of the same? Is it we just keep our values or, or is there something else that you're looking for? Is there another evolution of Beaverbrooks? I don't know where Beaverbrooks is going to be in the future, but I want to try and create or, or ensure that the business, as much as is possible, maintains its culture. I'm going to say in perpetuity. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but that's sort of what really inspires me and drives me and motivates me. And I need to find a way to do that to almost enshrine those values to make sure that that, that is always protected. And if enshrining values, and I think that must be right because your business is, is predicated on those values and it is a, it, that's what makes it so strong. If without being political, and I don't mean party political, if you were able to affect the political environment with those very values, how would you go about helping British business, uh, United Kingdom business in becoming more like Beaverbrooks? And I don't mean that that you. I know you wouldn't be so arrogant to think they'd want to be, but just that that understanding of community, that understanding of culture, that understanding of listening, and all that. How would you go about it? How would I go about it? I, I, that would be really tricky. But I, what I would try and and inspire, and I do to some extent when I speak externally to a number of different organisations and business groups, talk about authenticity, talk about the why, talk about purpose, talk about business. If for capital. For capitalism to be successful, it needs to be more more it needs to be more than just about money. It needs to be about morality. And I think sort of recognizing for business people to recognize the importance of morality, not just the letter of the law, which is quite quite different. It's actually actually beyond it's actually beyond the letter of the law and sort of trying to inspire people to realise that that's what it's all about would be what I try and achieve. You're hired. You're in. <laughs> we, I mean, we're going to talk to the right people, Mark. Listen, it's been a real privilege, um, as I said, talking to you. Um, it's a brilliant business and it's a it, hope in perpetuity it continues. Just before I let you go, though, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? My song choice is David Bowie, Lazarus, from his final masterpiece, Black Star. I've loved David Bowie's music from 1972, from Ziggy Stardust. I've got almost all his 25 albums. Uh, I saw He was the first concert I saw at the Preston Guildhall in 1973. I was mesmerised. Uh, when he died, it was almost prescient. You know, he starts this, this song, starts, look up here, I'm in heaven. It was almost life imitating art, imitating death. Remarkable. And an incredible jazz, Do the Donnie McCaslin Quartet, who uh, worked with him on this album. It's an amazing album, and that's why it's my choice. Here it is just for you.
That was David Bauer with the poignant Lazarus, the song choice of my business shaper today, Mark Adelston. The most humble person, or one of the most humble people I think I've met here on Jazz Shapers. Um, immensely successful business based on his values-driven approach. And as he said, um, someone who believes firmly that capitalism is not just about making money, it's about purpose, and it's also about morality. And I think that's absolutely right. Uh, do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meanwhile, stay with us. You know who's coming up next. It's Mr Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Kondorea. It's business, but it's personal. <laughs>